The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Abu Dhabi, Fight Island, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but are afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on its time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, President Trump, COVID-19, movies, TV, UFC, and the life of John Anik, which we're going to talk about today because we're here with our very special guest. We actually don't like to call him a guest. He's part of the show. He's a regular on the show. We are here with the amazing commentator, John Anik, my producer and co-host, TJ DeSantis. It's time to party, folks, because we are going to be on the road as the UFC road warriors we are, and I wanted to get with my man, Anik, before we hit the trail. Johnny, how are you? I'm doing well. It's great to be with you, boys. You know, TJ and I are radio guys, so when we hear you say it's time radio, not only does it speak to how long this podcast has been around, but it hits us at a very good place because I even find myself on our podcast saying radio show, and at its core, that's really what it is. So you've been there and done that, and it's always good to chop it up with you in advance of, uh, obviously, a couple big fight weeks coming up. Big fight weeks, and you know what? Coming off uh, the fight weeks where the shows have been amazing, uh, last week's show, what can you say about uh, Hill and, and Watterson with the battle they did for five rounds? Ferry never ceases to amaze me, you know. But getting back to Watterson and Hill, uh, that was a technical, tactical thinking woman's war, you know. Uh, I've never seen anybody, really, quite frankly, very few fighters throw effectively the front kicks, the side kicks the heel hook kicks that Watterson throws during her bouts. It's, it's amazing. And Hill, with her range of experience, and then you get to – I'm talking about the women now. I want to praise the women, as I always do. Mata Ferry uh, has been in this game, what, TJ, 13 years or something longer like that? that. Longer yeah, than longer that. than that. Um, I, I remember watching her fight in, in Evansville, Indiana in 2004. Uh, she wow. beat the number one woman on the planet at, at that time uh, named Jen Howe, who was actually Jeremy Horn's wife. And uh, she took that fight on eight days' notice. Her coach even said, like, look, I don't think you're going to win this fight, so I'm not coming with you. She had to drive down from Massachusetts by herself, uh, made that trek. And uh, for her troubles, she had an immediate rematch with Jennifer Howe. And uh, that time she triangle choked her. So it's, it's been, like, multiple lifetimes in the sport for, for Roxanne. Yeah, and you know what? She's, John, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I look at Roxanne when I'm announced here, she just has this peaceful look on her face. It's like she's one of those people you would never envision as a fighter, you know? And she just looks like she enjoys so much being in there. She, she really does. She has a great time when she's in there. Yeah, not just one of those people who doesn't look the part. She's probably the, the poster child for somebody who is unassuming and eternally happy and grateful uh, and doesn't really have a violent bone in her body. And I say no. that, you know, somewhat out of both sides of my mouth because of late she has developed some of that violence and her strength and conditioning has gotten to a different level and she keeps cashing in these matchups as a big underdog when a lot of people don't believe she has any business doing that so the fact that you're leading your podcast 
you know, 17 years into her pro career with Roxanne Modafferi is nothing short of amazing. And uh, props to Hill and Watterson as well, of course. I mean, you know how I feel about that division in particular and how deep that top 20 is at 115 pounds. I think Watterson figured out some things. You know, I think this was a more effective and complete performance than, uh, than her previous two efforts. And what else can you say about Angela Hill? You know, leads the UFC in career strawweight appearances with 16 spread over two UFC stints. I mean, TJ knows her well, realized a major title outside the UFC, but uh, still some room for improvement there. Um, but again, you know, two women who are not in the top five and, and what a showcase for that division. Total showcase, total showcase. And then uh, going back to other fights in the card, I mean, I got to give credit to uh, Otman Azitar, Azitar, right? Awesome. Uh, Ed Herman and Mike Rodriguez, controversy over that. When you watched it, John, uh, Dana was very upset with the referee, Chris Tyone, and a lot yeah. of times about their views and everything. Um, but he, they stopped the fight because of a ball kick, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. I mean, I think TJ and I would probably be aligned on this. I do think in some respects, these referees are kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because yeah. as commentators, it's hard for us to see every strike that lands. And we're asking a referee to monitor the action and also see precisely where a strike lands. So right. Mark Goddard didn't give Daniel Cormier the benefit of the doubt and stop the fight with the eye poke. Chris Tognoni, in this instance, gave Ed Herman the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. My issue is you have replay in Nevada that can be called on at any time. It doesn't stop the fight. Exactly. So I would turn it over to TJ and ask if you have replay in place. Why are officials, and I don't know if it's ego, but why are they so won't or reluctant to use it, especially in a situation like this? It, it was odd because Brennan Fitzgerald brought that fact up, and I remember hearing you read it uh, on the air a few weeks back, John, about uh, the language being that uh, a referee can call upon replay at any time in the state of Nevada. More often than not, you know, those words are a referee can call upon replay in fight-ending sequences, but the fight right. must be over. Right. Um, Mark Ratner uh, articulated something to the effect that, uh, yes, replay would be used in fight-ending sequences uh, to, to Fitzgerald and not the other way. But I, there seems to be some sort of discrepancy in what message was getting relayed right. uh, on, on fight night. And, and I don't know where that goes and, and what the protocol states, um, because I'm, I'm curious, like, all is well that ends well generally, but unfortunately this situation didn't end well. Ed Herman was, you know not winning this fight and he ended up winning the fight in a, in a situation where he probably would have been TKO'd had the fight been able to continue. Uh, I'm just curious what that protocol would look like if the official is allowed to go to replay at any time. What are, what is the fallout from that? Do you put the fighters back in the same position? How, how do you, you know, right. sort of, there's no red flag to throw in the octagon is what I'm saying right, essentially. Right. There was a situation on Fight Island, Bruce may recall, I believe it was uh, Modestus Bukowskis against Andreas Mikhailidis, where the fighter yeah. was sort of falling out of the octagon, and there was an opportunity to go to replay. The fight was going to be over regardless, and there was a clear opportunity for the referee to go to replay for a fight-ending sequence, and he didn't want to go to it in that instance, you know? So I feel like they're pretty convicted in what their decision is, and they don't necessarily want to go to replay. You know, here's what I'll say. If that fight went to replay, and then everyone's like, oh, Herman's faking it. So then do you just make it a TKO for slow Mike Rodriguez? You know, still got submitted with a Kimura in the fight, right? So, like, there's a lot of layers to it, largely on the line with Dana on it. But I do believe if there's no 
big issue with going to replay or no penalty when you can go at any time and still resume the fight, then why not fucking take a look at it? Sorry, you know what it comes down to? In, in, my, in my opinion, no referee or, or judge for that matter really wants to insert themselves into the narrative of why a fighter won or lost. That's why it's a very tough job. You want to allow these athletes to take care of it themselves. But that said, at the same time, I'm with you, John. If you have the use of technology to make sure that whatever decision you are making or aren't making can be backed up by replay and evidence to suggest that the right thing happens that that's all we need like that's all we want we want to get the right call at the end of the day and uh, i'm with you if, if you can go to replay go to replay agreed agreed and another couple of things i want to point out about that night i want to give kudos to kevin croom shining the way he shined uh a man who had 64 dollars in the bank self-professed and now has fifty thousand before taxes love those stories reminds me of uh you know conor mcgregor when he got his first bonus you know pretty much coming across the same thing um another thing too is that uh billy quarantillo or excuse me corintillo just go with billy Cor- Q, no no man. i got it I, no billy i got it. i got it. i got it. i'm not working i got it corintello okay corintello third try yep got it there you go i want to apologize and uh, i apologize to him afterwards because my i always hand in my information which is checked and double checked based on the records i get uh, but there was a mistake. I was supposed to say two losses. I said eight losses. It's a rare mistake by me. Um, but it's very, I'm very self-critical and I'm very, uh, very apologetic to the fighters if and when that ever happens, which is less than 10 times that I can even count in my career. So I wanted to say it on the air that I apologize for saying eight losses because it was two, right? And that needs to be properly told. He won the fight. It was his moment. Last thing I want to do is take away from that moment of a fighter. Of course, certainly didn't look like an eight loss fighter and what a fighter he is. And, uh, you know, I hate to be repetitive. I have said this earlier this week, but always bet on cardio ABC, right? I mean, Nelson has a lot of skills and a lot of talent and he puts in work on the pavement, but you are not going to outlast Billy Q over 15 minutes. So for me, I'm contractually prevented from betting on mixed martial arts, but were I able to go to the window the first thing a lot of people look at, TJ and Bruce, is maybe hunger from a fighter, desire for a fighter. You could argue maybe Covington might have a more burning championship hunger right now than Tyron Woodley. For me, I start with cardio. And with Billy Q, for all you can say about his toughness and his skill, um, he's just going to be able to outlast people. And to get a knockout seven seconds into a third round, I mean, TJ's the historian buff. Like, that's very rare to get a quick knockout like that at the start of a round. And you knew going to commercial break at the end of round two that Kyle Nelson wasn't lasting more than 30 seconds. He lasted seven. Well, you know, we do have records for the fastest knockout, which I think is somewhere around six or six and a half seconds or so in the fight. Is it five? Okay. But that was probably- it's actually three, but the record book says five. Right. But let's go for a third round knockout. That's probably the record in a third round. Rare, yeah. Yeah. I have to give it that. And, uh, you know, getting back to, to Herman, um, how many Kimuras have we ever seen win a fight? You know, I can count less than maybe probably 15 in my, my whole career. Yeah, a, diff- a Kimura is a, is a submission that largely just opens up sweep opportunities and, and things of that nature. And the way that he was able to do it from uh, bottom position and then, you know, get over in a top position to stick with it. A lot of fighters, I mean, that, that's good fight IQ, I think, on, on Ed Herman, because a lot of fighters would have gotten out of that position and went, I'm going to bail on this low percentage submission and try to punch my way to victory. And I don't think that would have uh, benefited him. Um, but, y- y- you know, th- it's something that you guys bring up. Buffer mistakes. They don't happen often but when they do bruce i like to like earmark them because they're little easter eggs and i think you're you're up to 12 you said 10 but you're up to 12 now 12 buffer mistakes 
I, I might be, you know, guys, I'm so critical of myself and my phone. I actually have a, a file UFC mistakes. I can tell you everyone I've made. I, I keep track. Really? You know we'll why? compare notes. That'll be fun. Yeah, oh. that'll be fun. Well, I don't know if we'll do it on the show, but we'll compare. Of course it. not. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> I, and I'm just kidding, Bruce. Like uh, the, the biggest mistake that I think anybody really ever noticed you made was when you had the Jim Miller and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that one was, was obvious. But, but again, like how many times you've been in the octagon and, and have yet to make a huge, gigantic blunder? I did see you knock out the power, though, in North Carolina one time. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm capable of that. You know, I have, you remember my, I have was, my... you, Do you remember who was in the octagon that night? No, refresh me on that one. Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson. Yes, right, right, exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, I do have certain superpowers, and they came through wrong that night. But it's you true. know what? Uh, the worst mistake ever while we're on the subject, I'll tell you, is one time I was looking at Mario, uh, excuse me, um, Mario Yamasaki, and your referee, and I turned to him and go, is Herb Dean. I'm staring right in his face. And my mouth feels like Herb Dean. I couldn't yeah. stop it. I couldn't stop it. And we just laughed at each other. But that was probably one of the worst mistakes. Well, if, if that's the worst mistake ever <laughs> with respect to the officials, it doesn't even involve an athlete. So uh, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> hey, pe you know. people are just looking at the jacket anyway, Buff. You're good. I try. I know you like that last one I wore, but I'm working on one for the uh, Habib Nurmagomedov fight. I want to have something special for Fight Island. Speaking of Fight Island, uh, before we go to Fight Island, Johnny and I are going to be in Las Vegas. Safety and protocol. We arrive on Friday. We're tested. 24-hour quarantine. We do the show. We leave at 6 in the morning, John, for Abu Dhabi. That's not much sleep. We get on that plane. We're tested. We're 24-hour quarantine. We get out of our room. We're tested. We're quarantined another 24 hours. But the exciting thing is on Wednesday, we have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, boom, Fight Island. Let's have some fun. And then the show on Saturday, and then boom, we're right back home, right back home. Yeah, we have more recreational time, but on the front end of a pay-per-view, you know, my Wednesday are fighter meetings, my Thursday yeah. format meeting, my Friday is UFC Live and the weigh-in. So obviously our schedules uh, are a little bit different during fight week. But yes, you'll have some extended time in yeah. advance of Saturday uh, where you should definitely take advantage. I might be able to squeeze something in with you after the fight, uh, but it's going to be hard to do so on the front end. But yeah, last time around, we didn't have nearly the wreck time. So I'd imagine a lot of people will take advantage. I would love to get on a bicycle on that F1 track somehow. Oh, but we're they doing it. Very, but they got very specific windows you can do it because as many of your listeners probably know, a lot of people are sleeping during the day and being up at night. And that means the athletes, right? And everything is catered to the professional athletes as it should be. So they don't want people on the bike track at 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday and Saturday when their athletes sleeping all day, you know? So maybe we can find a window, but what a special hotel. Hopefully we're back at that W. I mean, do you have that uh, on record? Already checked. Our rooms are being reserved as before, John. I talked to Matt. Let's go. Yes. Let's hey, do it. it at least you'll have maybe a sliver of a possibility of taking part in some of these uh, attractions that you had to read about on the broadcast, John. Like, I want to go to Abu Dhabi now after the last uh, Fight Island trek because you're, you're reading these promos about visit the UAE, and it's like, damn, I kind of want to visit the UAE. I had no idea, but I do. Teej, yeah, but we're, in, we're, we're not a... supposed to call you Teej, but <laughs> the accommodations, the hospitality, it's a special place. It's a special trip, and I think it's going to be a lot more fun for us this time. The first one was a... Uh, a groundbreaker for so many different reasons. We're all very COVID conscious and used to it now with the UFC and the protocol we have to go through. So we'll make it happen. I say we do the bike. I want to do the uh, skydiving tunnel, the 125 foot uh, tower. If we can do that, you know, yeah. there's a couple things to do that I would love to get done and uh, we'll see how much fun we have. But anyway, going into Saturday night, before we go there, we've got Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley going at it. 
Um, two people, well, at least one person says he doesn't like the other. The other, we don't know if he does or it's all an act, but the bottom line is it's going to be a hell of a brawl, and we're looking forward to that. Donald Cerrone back again, 148th time in uh, the last year and a half, and he's fighting Nico Price. Uh, very exciting. Johnny Walker coming back, Ryan Spann. You know, it's going to be an interesting fight. Random Marcos and Mackenzie Dern. You know they're both going to go for it. So it's a solid, solid card. A fighter I've always enjoyed watching, Mursad Bektik. I always felt he had a heck of a career ahead of himself, which he does. And a number of female fights on this. Do you notice, John, six, eight, 14 fights. You know why there's so many? Because we have fights fall off, you know, or it's just going to be a long night. Makes me want to punch myself oh, in the face. Tell Absolutely. Me, one, fight, one fight for you, as I'm sure for TJ, but one fight for me, it's 20 minutes of prep, okay, or whatever, for all the prep I have to do. Make 20 minutes per card, 30 minutes per card. It's like two hours for you, all the film you got to watch hours? everything hours? i mean what was one what, what one fight how much time do you need to prep well i try to give every fighter on the card at least an hour of my time and that has nothing to do with show formatics or anything related to the actual broadcast that's just for my little fighter card that's in front of me so that's 26 hours so in a back-to-back situation for me it's not humanly possible to give every fighter a full hour uh, so some fighters might get 25 minutes while I'm writing their fighter card and watching film. I mean, TJ knows this reality. It is what it is, you know, but there's a reason why they don't send me to fight Island to do five straight shows because the nature of our beast is such that, uh, they wouldn't wish it upon their worst enemy either. So, um, but yeah, it's a great fight card this weekend. It really is. It's as deep a fight night as we've had in a while. It's crazy to see Tyron Woodley sitting there at plus 290, but I do think Colby Covington kind of deserves that distinction. Uh, and I have an interesting number for you on Donald Cowboy Cerrone real quick. Go ahead. He was once 19 and four in the UFC through 23 appearances, 19. Wow. Wow. He's four and eight since 2017. So he's up to 12 UFC losses, but isn't it incredible to think that he was 19 and four and he's going to be in the UFC hall of fame regardless, but it looked like at at one point, you know, I mean, he, some, some of these guys like Jim Miller and Cerrone, they get in with a longevity as opposed to a championship nod, you know? And, uh, yeah, he's fallen on some hard times, but obviously he had his second son about a week ago, and uh, maybe that'll be uh, a motivating force for him. Who doesn't Man. like to see the Cowboy enter the octagon? We all like to see him enter the octagon. He's a people's warrior by all standards involved. Great guy man's man everything the epitome of what a fighter should be i mean you just can't help it like donald cerrone so i'm very excited to see that it's going to be it's going to be fun and then i haven't gotten the full card yet for ufc 253 um but we all know that uh paulo and israel adesanya is going to be completely off the hook off the hook johnny you got a prediction on that one can you, can I got you the us? call of the fight, so I certainly can't offer up a prediction. Yeah. It's close according to Vegas. Adesanya is the favorite, but uh, I'm just excited because it's clearly number one versus number two. Yes. And I think at light heavyweight, too, with that vacant title being on the line in a few weeks as well, that really feels like number one versus two to me as well with John Jones moving aside. Jan Blachowicz is richly deserving of this chance, and a yep. lot of people in your audience feel like Ray has beat John Jones. So I'm excited championship doubleheader live on pay-per-view and you know what i'm most excited about what a 30-foot octagon we get the big oh yeah we get the pageantry tj i don't know where you you feel on this bruce and i've talked a lot about this obviously but give me the pageantry give me more room for these athletes to sort of show off their skills and their gifts i just feel like for title fights we need the big guy you know and not a regional 25-foot octagon well i'm going to make a prediction 
Um, not a prediction about the fight itself, but a prediction about the career of Paulo Costa. Paulo walks around. He's a, he's a friend. We've become friends, and he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He also told me that when he, if he wins the championship, I mentioned this before in the show, the first time he defends it, he's going to ask his girlfriend of eight years to marry him, which I find to be a beautiful thought and story. Paulo Costa walks Did around. Paulo, pardon me? Does she know he's going to do this? Uh, she does now. She does now. We don't, no, but he, he mentioned on the podcast. We talked about it when he was on as a guest. Okay. So all right. All right. I'm sure they probably had a discussion, but uh, maybe she only speaks Portuguese, so she won't understand what I'm saying. So we'll see. Anyway, Paula, don't get mad at me. Ooh. Um, anyway, long story cut short, I do feel that win or lose, eventually, it's, I feel it's going to be a great fight. Win or lose, I can see a rematch between these two if it's a very exciting fight. Whatever that goes on to a trilogy or if Paulo wins the championship, maintains it, defends it. But there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to see Paulo Costa as a light heavyweight fighter in the UFC. Yeah, There's no doubt in my mind. And I share your love and admiration for him as a man, you know, as an athlete. And sometimes to connect with one of these athletes on a deep level, all it takes is doing like a Q&A, as I did yeah. with Paulo Costa when Adesanya was fighting Robert Whitaker in Australia. And you can develop a pretty quick, deep connection. So I love both of these guys. Uh, I I'm very excited that Costa's finally getting an opportunity. He's so deserving. He's mm -hmm. so good. He's one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. And uh, I'm always excited to see guys break through and become first-time UFC champions. And for his sake, I hope he can, uh, he can get it done. Absolutely. And what a role model and uh, poster boy he is, you know, without a doubt. By the way, you know, as you know, Mama Buffer's favorite fighter, he came over to visit her at her house. Um, he even wished her a happy birthday on her birthday two weeks ago, which John, you did too. And, and mom said to say hi to you as Brian did. They knew you're going to be on the show today. Um, we had a wonderful 92nd birthday for mom. It was so yeah. funny, John. The first thing she did was down a, a nice shot of Puncher's Chance bourbon going on to three glasses of white wine and partying till 12 o'clock at night when she got home with her caregiver. So it's like and that Puncher's Chance is 90 proof, correct? 45% uh, alcohol by volume? It is 90 proof, but I have a silver edition coming out that's 120 proof. But the 90 proof is uh, is a good zone you're in there because, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, Jack Daniels is 86 proof, right? Jim Beam, I know I'm taking myself down a peg or two, is 80 proof. But just to give you some context, so Butcher's yeah. chance is strong. Connie took that down, no issue, huh? She took it down, no issue. She was just a happy girl enjoying herself as we all were. And, and John, I got to tell you, I hopefully will have a bottle I'm bringing to uh, Abu Dhabi with me. The uh, first 5,000 cases sold out. The second 5,000 case allocation is gone. It's all in the stores. The distributors have picked it up. Liquor Barn sold like 180 bottles or something. They were raving. They said normally they put a new product in. Maybe at 40 bottles will sell, and they're happy. They said 180 of this went off the shelves. John, it's a hit. It's great. It's a hit. I'm, I'm very excited. And uh, right now we'll move about 13,000, 15,000 cases this year, and our target's about 70 to 100,000 cases next year. But it's really good, John. It's really good, and I'll have it with you. We'll toast it up in Abu Dhabi. Let's do it. Can't wait. I might Absolutely. be getting this green Rolex after all, people. Yeah, I'm working on it. Are you kidding? That's a lifelong ambition for me. I got to get that to you. No question. Um, okay, speaking of role models, Conor McGregor's back in the news, I see. Uh, I don't know what to say. Again, it's all accusations, everything else. Uh, he was on that water race, you know, with the princess, and a very cool event, and this came up. Quieted down real quick, but, you know, got to be mentioned at times, but uh, let's just hope it nothing is reality there I, I hate to say this but when i saw the the latest uh sort of developments with this i thought it was old i thought my twitter timeline had pulled up something from six eight months ago and didn't even really know how to respond when i found out that it wasn't what can you say when it's a similar uh similar 
subject matter, you know? So let's just hope that it's just, it's just nothing. Which, uh, I just want to see the man fight. I know there are a lot of uh, issues and maybe people would even take issue with me saying that, you know, but I just, I find all of this very frustrating uh, in terms of his MMA legacy, um, which is oh, so yeah. incomplete in my mind. And I understand that uh, his bank account's pretty complete. Um, but yeah, I guess as far as I'm concerned, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt until uh, we have more information. But it's certainly all we can do. disappointing uh, that there would be a headline uh, repetitively like this attached to his name. You, know? you bring up something I think really interesting, John. When you look at Conor McGregor's legacy, you mentioned that it's largely incomplete in a lot of ways. And there are very few fighters that have reached – I mean – there are very few fighters that will ever reach the status that, that Conor McGregor has reached. But at the same time, very few fighters that end up being proven commodities like Conor while still being unproven in many ways. I don't know if Conor can ever beat a oppressive wrestler like uh, a Khabib Nurmagomedov or Chad Mendez for that matter. Let's not forget the Mendez fight was one that, you know, Mendez took on very short notice. So there are question marks about Connor from a fighting standpoint that I still would like answered. I want to know if he can deal with some of these beast wrestlers. I totally agree with that. And I do think there are legacy building fights that aren't stylistically super dangerous, right? Like that matchup in particular, the Poirier fight, a rematch, right? I think that has value to his legacy. I agree. Like mm. Ferguson fight, a Justin Gaethje fight, which a lot of people think is a favorable stylistic matchup for him. But when you look at Henry Cejudo, and again, the finances are a part of this conversation. But when you look at Henry Cejudo, feet up in retirement, Olympic gold medal, won a, a UFC title in two divisions and defended it. Like there really wasn't much else for him competitively to accomplish. Whereas for Connor with zero title defenses and a couple wins at 155, does he have one win at 155 in the UFC, right? Not a lot of 155 pound wins in the UFC, right? And that was the division in which many people thought he would reside for a long time. So I want to see him at 55 in these big fights, you know? I do too, but there's also rumor and scuttlebutt about that he's been talking to Pacquiao's team. You know, Pacquiao's uh, uh, growing up in years, you know, definitely a long tooth as far as a boxer is concerned, but still incredible as a boxer, incredible champion. But, you know, let's talk about them doing the boxing match, another grab for the payday. But honestly, John, after Mayweather and uh, Connor, um, I'm not interested. I mean, I know people watch right. it. I would watch it, but it doesn't excite me. No, I agree. I am in no desire to watch him box. And I know Dana White was quoted a couple of weeks ago saying that boxing uh, is sometimes hard to watch for MMA fans like us who are so into this sport to go back and watch boxing. And as somebody who got into MMA as a, a boxing radio guy, boxing yeah. is very hard for me yeah. to watch now because mixed martial arts has largely ruined it for me. I just think, find it to be much more complex, compelling, and interesting. I agree. But I will say that a great boxing match when they're swinging for the fences with the style and, and, and uh, skill that they have is a great boxing match. It's, look, it's the old story. It's two weapons, markets of Queensbury rules versus over 40 weapons in MMA. Right. I, so, and I used, to say, I used to say when boxing's at its best, I mean, it used to be a tagline, Mandalay Bay, boxing at its best. When boxing was at its best, I don't know that any sport could touch it, but how often is boxing really at its best? It was at its best during the heyday. Last time it was at its best was during the heyday in the late 80s, early 90s into uh, 2000, where on any given night you had Delahoy, you had Sugar Ray Leonard, you had, you know, you name it, fighting, and it was just big, big fights or boxing matches, whatever you want to call it. But look, boxing's boxing, MMA's MMA, oranges, apples, tomatoes, tomatoes, you know, it's two different entirely fighting sports. I mean, they have to be respected. CJ, I just looked it up. One lightweight win for Conor McGregor yeah, I did in too. the UFC against Eddie Alvarez. The rest was at featherweight or 70. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh. You know? it's it, like, 
I mean, if, you, if you're going to pick one fight to have and win, I guess it would be, yeah, you right. know, yeah. against Eddie Alvarez in Madison Square Garden for the title. But, yeah, no, it, it's it's right there, man. Like, I, I don't want to say that Connor owes us anything, but in a roundabout way, if any fighter truly did owe the sport that made him what he is uh, financially, I, I think Connor might owe us at least, you know, one or two more fights. Connor McGregor's tell his retort to that is great. I don't owe anybody fucking anything, okay? Yeah. No, I <laughs> think that's me. a good way to put it, though. I, I, I really do hope that he feels like his legacy is incomplete. And I do believe with all the money in the world, retirement will be a lot more fun for him if he adds a scalp or two. You know? I will, too, because I'm sure Connor takes a lot of pride in looking in the mirror and feeling proud about himself and realizing that that's one thing to feel proud about. But also the other thing, too, with Connor, he's one of those fighters – that I venture to guess that not having 20, 30, 40,000 people in the audience makes it not as exciting for him, even though he'll still get in there and fight like the warrior he is. He's one of those people I think that feeds off the crowd. A when when, you, when you're a cage fighter fight. though, Bruce, like you, you got to scratch that itch and whether there's five people in the, in the stands or 50,000 people in the stands, you want to scratch that itch. I mean, yeah, there, there's some truth to that. I think more importantly, uh, there's a financial truth to that incentive uh, that may not be there otherwise. But uh, yeah, I mean, part Con of Connor's game. a fighter. He got into this for a reason. He wants to fight. He did. And also too, you know, listen, I scratch that itch every show night as an announcer. You know, when I say for the people in attendance, whether it's 40, 50 or 60, there are people in attendance, but it's the millions watching around the world that we have to fulfill. And speaking of millions watching around the world, NFL started this weekend. The NFL oh. season started this weekend. Brady down there, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh. That was tough, John. That was tough to watch a little I bit. Mean, but, I'm, John, I, do you think the lack of preseason games has had a big effect? Because I still think players played their hearts out this weekend. Yeah, no, I thought the, the level of play overall was pretty high. There were some tackling issues from what I saw. But uh, I am not at all concerned with what Tom Brady's doing in Tampa yeah. Bay. We are on to Seattle. The New England Patriots are 1-0 behind Cam Newton. And uh, I got to say, though, Bill Belichick, who is probably my favorite sports personality coach or athlete of all time, he never shoot. Threw, I thought it was me. God darn it! Okay. <laughs> he never threw TB12 under the bus the way Bruce Arians did after the game on Sunday, and I think it's very eye-opening. And Bruce Arians has a history of criticizing his quarterbacks, but it is right. eye-opening that he would be so willing to criticize Tom publicly and question his grit and his determination and stupid things to say to a 43 year old he's 43 i mean can we start there you know yeah. but i just i think tom will be maybe motivated by that to a degree but i was very surprised to to see the bucks head coach go all in on tom after a couple of you know bad plays i was surprised too too but you know tom brady is the same in spirit and warrior spirit and personal motivation as he was i think at 19 in a uniform he just yeah. shows that youthfulness to him I mean, I, I love the way the guy plays. It's a pleasure to watch him play. And you know what? One loss is not going to stop Tom Brady. He's going to feed off it. He's going to learn from it. And he's going to make his team work for it. Whether, you know, whether the coach is with him, beside him, or in front of him. Yeah. But I will give Cam Newton his kudos. I'll yeah. give him his kudos. He looks good. He looks real good. And Philly looks like crap. God darn it. 17 points to the half to nothing. Not scoring a single point in the second half to lose by about 14 points. Not good. Yeah, I haven't loved some of Doug Peterson's play calling, and I, I feel like Carson Wentz is just a little inconsistent for me. When he's on, he is incredible. Oh, I mean, yeah. he really is. He's truly elite top five stuff, but uh, he's too inconsistent for me. I mean, they got a lot of weapons, and uh, I don't know. That's 
you can argue one of the easier games on their schedule and uh, they managed to screw it up in a pretty big way. So Exactly. So um, I love to bet football as you do, John, and I bet emotionally with the Eagles, but I'm going to bet realistically with the Eagles moving forward. Although I did have a very good weekend, John. It was a nice weekend yeah. out of the gate. The worst yeah. week is not usually good for me and I, I did really well. The teams to watch are obvious. Kansas City Chiefs, New Orleans Saints. Very, they look great. What other teams really, I thought the Rams looked pretty good too. What other team, if any, has impressed you uh, first day out? The Seahawks. It'll be Patriots and Seahawks on Sunday Night Football this week, and I'm really Can't excited wait. to see how that plays out. Uh, not but the whole not- field advantage that Seattle normally is without a full house, but uh, Russell Wilson has never finished as high in the MVP voting as you would think, and this could very well be his year to win the MVP. So, uh, obviously, four touchdown passes and no picks in week one helps that initiative. Um, but it's just so great to have football back, right? Oh, but it is. I, I had an ex-girlfriend say to me once, you always have to have something in life to look forward to. And mm-hmm. for me, an NFL Sunday is good enough. And I got 16 more of them in the regular season. Hopefully, if, uh, if the COVID-19 situation handles itself. But it's just very exciting to have it back. No, it's very exciting. And also, too, with the shows being in Vegas or in Abu Dhabi, we're going to miss the show. Obviously, the football game Sunday night will be landing about third quarter ending. I just did the math. Uh, but at the same time, when we're in Vegas, for me, I mean, not for you, unless you red eye out, but for me, I could be back just in time for the first game at 1 o'clock. You know, I hit that road at 9 in the morning. I'm back by 1. It takes me 3 hours and 45 minutes to get back to L.A. without traffic. So I love it. I'm never – you know what, John? After all this driving, I don't think I'm ever going to fly to Vegas again. I I'll don't have, see why you would. Yeah, I have my driver or I'll have a friend come with me and, you know, uh, whatever. I want to just say one more thing to your audience, and I think TJ will find it interesting, about Fight Island versus the UFC Apex for calling fights, right? Go. Part of the reason I'm so excited to go back to Fight Island is because of that atmosphere, right? Not only do you have a 30-foot octagon, but there are more people on the floor. So I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of, like, calling these big moments in – this apex environment the fight island floor is such buff and you can attest to this there are just more people so there's more ambient natural sound coming in you can still hear the corners quite clearly but i just feel like it's a better fight atmosphere and i just think especially with two titles on the line and the fact that our next two pay-per-views are going to be there in the 30 footer in that environment i just think uh even though the, the time zone makes it challenging for the athletes, I think it's going to result in some pretty special performances. Couldn't say it any better, John. Looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. Uh, by the way, just so you know, if you're house shopping down in uh, Tampa, uh, Derek Jeter, uh, Tom Brady was renting Derek Jeter's house, but they put right. it on the market for $29 million. So I know you know you got a raise recently. I think it would be a good, good place for you and the family. Uh, I did not get a raise recently. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, hey, we got one foot out the door. We're here in Boca Raton, Florida. I was telling TJ off the air. We feel kind of buried down here. Something goes wrong. There's nowhere to go. So maybe we'll go to Austin, Texas with Joe Rogan. We'll see. Hey, Austin, Texas, uh, except the um, the non-funding of the police department down there. There's like a 20-mile area I was reading the other day where they say, be careful. You're on your own. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. 2020 is just, listen, the election's coming up November 3rd. John, let us know when you got to go because I know you got to go soon. The election's coming up November 3rd. The campaign's getting dirty. I don't want to get political. You know my political views, but I'm not going to get political now on the show. Uh, President Trump accepted Joe Rogan's offer to moderate the Biden debate. And um, that would actually be very interesting if that ever happened. I would love to announce it if it did. But who knows? That's just a pie-in-the-sky thought at this point. But it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. But 
2020 this year. I mean, we, we go to COVID. We got fires in California that are devastating. The air here is horrible, John. Global warming is seriously an issue, no matter what certain high-level politicians are saying about it. Um, we've had lives lost, 20 times more land burning this year than last year. You got Hurricane Sally hitting that Gulf Coast and coming for you in Florida, you know, and states are bracing for disaster. It's on and on and on. It's getting ridiculous, John. It, it began with one of the darkest days of and my life. There you in go. January, there you go. Kobe Bryant passed away, and it's been all downhill in the worst of ways since. What we're navigating right now is that here in Palm Beach County, the public schools are opening next week. So we're trying to figure out uh, whether or not to send our children back. And you can imagine there have been some animated conversations. And uh, my nine-year-old is essentially down on her knees begging me to go back to school. I and mean, what do you do with that? So, I mean, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. But there's a lot of things that parents and teachers are dealing with right now that you just like, I'll say to my nine-year-old, like, babe, I don't know what the F I'm doing. So, you know, it's like, nobody does like, this is territory that we have not navigated before. And, uh, you know, just be glad you're in fourth grade and not 12th, you know? Yeah. Hey, and I'm dealing uh, Sorry to say, I just, John, you brought up Kobe Bryant and, and that definitely was like, uh, uh, stop you in, in your, uh, tracks moment. It feels like it was four years ago, guys. Like, it feels like it was so long ago because this year has been just, you know, epic moment in history where we'll never forget it time and time and time again. And it's like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm exhausted. This year has just tuckered me out, honestly. This year is like a five-round, five-minute fight of getting punched consistently in the face that is now in the 15th round and hasn't stopped. You know, it's every time. It's like punched in the face, move forward, get punched, move back. It's crazy. John, you talk about children. Now, you know, TJ, you have your son. You have to deal with the stress on parents, you know, with homeschooling and everything. I see it, what happens even with Kristen and the kids and, you know, my 12 and 15-year-old boys, Henry and Rupert, um, doing very well. But, you know, that loss of innocence and all they're missing out, not socializing. But, John, here's the fact. 550,000 children have been infected with the COVID virus. You know, there's on CNN today, there's a six-year-old. It sounds like your vote is that I not send my kids back to school on Monday. I want what's with what's best for the kids. I want what's best for the kids, but it's about the safety and protocol that's going to be taking place. Of you know, course. I mean, how how do you guarantee the kids will follow safety and protocol without your parental guidance being beside them? I mean, every day they come home from. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound so negative because I want them to go to school um, to get the education to socialize and grow properly. But we're living in an age right now where everything's improper to what we're used to, and as a parent. If my kid was coming home from a public school every day, it's kind of like me going out on a date with somebody new. Where the heck have they been? Bruce, I'll say it. I want to be compliant with proper safety and protocol. And it's a constant reminder. Uh, I know for a fact my son will not be compliant. He'll try. He'll want to be you know, good, but he, he's not capable. I'm not capable. Most people aren't capable. Um, TJ, like my daughter, God love her, Tatum, like best of luck getting her to, to adhere to your mask protocol right okay? you know like she's at home doing distance learning and technically not supposed to be snacking you know she's like fucking watch me eat and do something about it you right. know what i mean so yeah. there, it's just a very challenging time i never thought i had mental health issues you know and this year has sort of crystallized some things for me i think for a lot of us we're dealing with things that uh that we didn't necessarily think we would be dealing with but uh Agreed. 
It is what it is. Uh, obviously, I will uh, make the decision that that we think is best. You know, my wife and I have been mostly aligned, but certainly there have been some combative conversations about this whole thing. Um, you know, but I do think I'm going to send my nine-year-old next Monday, and uh, at least that day, and uh, she can come home and and tell me uh, what was good and what was bad, and whether she wants to go back or not the next day, you know, but okay. it's a lot deeper than, you know, you could lose your spot potentially even in a public school classroom, right? Like if you don't send them back and then they close school for the rest of the year, what type of social and emotional ramifications are there for the kid? I mean, there's just so much, a lot of things that I'm not qualified to be handling, but here we go. I am their legal guardian. Let's go. Yeah. John, when you, when she goes to school, what, what does she have to do protocol wise? Obviously she has to wear a mask. Um, what kind of mask will you give her? Will you give her a mask that's a nurse's mask where it protects the people around her but doesn't protect the people to her? Right, right. She's going to get an N95, you know, and you got to have all those ready for her. And, right. You know, is she good at washing the hands? Are you going to give right. her gloves to wear? I mean, what, do you, what are you going to do? What, what do you do? What do they tell you to do? Well, no, I mean, there's a lot that has to be done. And a lot of what you said is going to be done. I mean, she's got a bag of masks. If you really want to know, some of them are cloth. She's got some N95s in there as well, you know. Um, but oh, I just think there are a lot of unknowns and I'm not necessarily in the prediction business, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. the safe decision obviously would be to not send my kids to school. And I know DC said to me, you know, don't do a JA, you know, and it's like, here we are six days out from that decision and, and maybe things will change. But at least right now, I feel pretty convicted in uh in sending at least my older daughter back. And, uh, you know, not that she's some guinea pig. I mean, see, I'm about the greater good. I'm not thinking about like one of my children getting sick. I'm thinking right. about the whole school and there being mass infections, you know? Yeah, I know. And uh, remains to be seen. Like I said, I just hope for the best. I want her to go to school. And I, 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 wanna, I wanna get an update on how it's going for you because I know my boys are gonna have to go back to school at some time too. But right here in California, that is not happening this year. You're right. And that's happening the issue is that in Florida, it's like, you know, <laughs> roll the ball down the lane and see how many pins you can knock down. Well, also in Florida, too, they're going to allow not 25% capacity. They're going to allow bars 50% capacity. They're really bucking the nut here, you know? Yeah, we'll, right. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right, uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> do you ever want to fight Chuck Norris, go up against Chuck Norris, do anything to make him mad? I don't know why companies do this. I deal with trademarks all the time, obviously, in my business, but – Biomolecular solutions of biogenics markets boner pills, you know, the, the, uh, like Viagra, that kind of stuff. They actually went so far to use Chuck Norris's image in their advertising with titles like wow. uh, Big, Big Pharma in outrage over Norris's new ED product. Chuck kicks back with this and a picture of he and his wife, right? They're getting sued. Of course, oh, Walker, Texas Rangers going right in. He's going to sue them for everything they got, you know? Yeah. I mean, how can you be so stupid? I, don't, I, I wonder how companies are stupid when they take its time or let's get ready to rumble and, and do something with it they're not supposed to do. You it said it's a pharmaceutical company, Bruce? Uh, well, I don't want to call it pharmaceutical. It's what do they say here? Uh, the company goes by a couple different names, which is obviously not a good thing to begin with, but uh, sure. they, they promote a product called uh, Provitra, which is like- Okay, yeah. So, I, okay, so yeah, they, they, sell, they sell drugs, essentially. I'm wondering if- the potential lawsuit that they have you know, coming their way isn't a drop in the bucket overall. And maybe they thought it was just cheaper to get sued and get the publicity that you're getting you know, by you know, giving them here on this show. If that wasn't just easier than trying to actually you know, lock well, it down that, as a real sponsorship. If that's the way a management team and CEO runs their company, then they're screwed. 
Okay. Pharmaceutical companies can operate that way. Any other company, probably not so much. I'd love for a pharmaceutical company to use my image or Michael's image, and I'll tell you, I will rake them across the coals and turn them inside out. It's one of the dumbest sure. things you and can they do. still may come out ahead. Well, Maybe. You know, I'm always looking out for you, Buff. I went to Walmart about a year ago, and I saw Elmo shouting, it's time. I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Buffer just to make sure. And what did I do with that? Well, you didn't go down that hole, but uh, you appreciated the information. But you didn't oh, I always appreciate it. I mean, anybody find any listen? Any of the listeners it's out Elmo. there? You... It's it's fucking Elmo. You didn't want to sue Elmo. I <laughs> Elmo's got bucks. <laughs> All right. Speaking of crazy stuff, and John's one more story. And this is an insane insurance fraud issue. Okay, this woman went to unbelievable lengths to get a big payday, and now she'll have two years in prison to reflect. Okay, she's a citizen of Slovenia right? And she and her boyfriend hatched this plan to collect a big fat insurance policy they took out on her. Five policies totaling $1 million. To get the loot, you know what they did? And I know you're not going to be able to guess it. They cut off her hand with a circular saw and then filed a claim, presumably claiming it was a disability claim, thinking they were going to get their million dollars. Now they got busted. She's 22. She's going to prison for two years. He's going to prison for three years. How stupid can you get? That's stupid is as stupid does, baby. All right. So th this begs the question, guys, how much for a hand? <laughs> okay. That one I'm going to laugh at. Okay. That's good. But I, mean, uh, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I mean, they couldn't sew it back on, obviously. No, it's a, 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 a band. What do they call it? What did I say? A saw? Yeah. That's circular crazy. saw. Like circular uh, saw. That's crazy. Again, no. I'm, I'm I'm wondering what, what, what the number is for a pinky, you know, uh, uh, a digit that you don't really need at the end of the day. Uh, right. But a right. hand, my, my God. Right. Ugh. Well, let me, let me take this to another level. And this happened in the state that John's from in Connecticut. And this goes. From, hey, hey. Oh, hey. wait, whoa, whoa, sorry, 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 sorry. Correct. Man, show almost John, ended right there. But no, I am. I, I resisted kicking and screaming going to Connecticut when I worked at ESPN. I am born and raised in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, pardon me. Sorry, sorry. Oh my God. Boom, boom, my boom, wife boom. is from No, I mean, I, I just, I think us Bostonians are just very full of pride. As you should be. You're so proud. You should be. So, and, and, hey, any, anybody from Connecticut that wants to be a Red Sox fan or Patriots fan, we want all of you. I'm just saying, you know, with respect to my wife and my daughter who was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I don't like that place. Everybody's right. got a place like that, by the way. That's like saying I'm from Wisconsin and not Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. At least you didn't say New York. If you said the New Yorker, John Anik, I probably would have just closed this Zoom window right here. <laughs> All right. Well, on one last little story, this is a feel-good story. This is um, a story I love to end the show with in stories, but I want to honor a hero, and this hero is a teenager from Connecticut. Uh, the Waterbury Police Department received a lot of calls on September 9th about a woman that was trapped inside a burning vehicle, right? It was a small SUV, the whole bit. Uh, what happened was that Justin Gavin, 18 years old, was walking to a local Walgreens when he first realized the car was on fire. Drivers were honking out of their horns, getting out of the cars, notified a mother driving the burning vehicle that was in flames. He yelled to stop the car. Nothing happened. It was a wonderful thing. He saved the lives of the mother and three children by pulling them from the, burn, from the burning car. Took it upon himself to run over and pull three children and the mother from a burning car. And this young man is a hero by all standards. And you got to ask yourself, John, in a situation like that, and you don't need to answer it because we don't know until it happens, what would we do? I like to think that I would do the same thing. I really believe it. Without 
thought of my own safety to try and save people if I could. But listen, that young man deserves all the honor he gets. And um, that's called helping your fellow man and woman. Incredible. And Incredible. I don't think you know how your instincts will be in that moment. You don't. All praise. I want to go Google this kid right now when we get off. Yeah. Uh, it's 2020 so part of me thought that buffer was going to tell us that the woman sued this man and they're in litigation now jesus what a a world in which we live this is crazy crazy even the smoke out here are you getting the smoke down by you uh tj yeah no it's bad i uh, left yesterday i'm in kansas city for invicta but the last couple days uh the sky has just been this monochromatic uh yellowish gray like it looks like a bruise the sky looks like a bruise that's on its last couple of days still being visible it's, it's gross and disgusting and san francisco looks like a war zone like go to down yeah. is happening it's crazy yeah. john um before we sign off and again thank you so much for staying on the show all this time john let us know anything going on What's happening? Talk about the podcast. Let's hear about the Anakin Florian podcast. Let it all so, go. Podcast is uh, Mondays or Tuesdays. A little bit challenging with the Abu Dhabi schedule, but uh, we're also launching a secondary show with Bilal Muhammad under the Anakin Florian podcast banner called Remember the Show. And oh, my cool. identical twin brother, Jay, is actually going to co-host it with Bilal. So uh, the oh, pilot right. is this week. So we're excited about that. And uh, obviously we got Covington Woodley this weekend and just Jones to get back on pay-per-view, if I'm being honest, September 24th or the 6th, I believe it is. 6th, 26th. UFC 253. I mean, that's, that's the date circled on my calendar, and, and I will be happy to ring it in with you uh, on Fight Island. And we'll be ringing it in, my friend, because I'm going to have a bottle of Puncher's Chance. <laughs> right. We're ringing it in style, definitely in style. TJ? Uh, yeah, uh, watch Invicta this week, uh, Thursday night, live Ooh. on UFC Fight Pass, exciting business. Um, and then uh, immediately following the fights coming up on Saturday night, join myself and Dean Thomas on the Fight Pass Facebook page for extra rounds. We'll uh, chop up Woodley and Covington and uh, spin it forward into uh, a very uh, busy, I mean, it seems like we got fight week after week after week until the end of the year, so plenty to talk about. Fantastic. And for myself, everybody, uh, follow us all on our social media, Instagram at Bruce Buffer UFC, Twitter at Bruce Buffer. I'll be making announcements. Puncher's Chance has been released in eight states. It gets released in California next week. Bonds, Pavilions, Albertsons, Liquor Barn. It's selling through the roof at Liquor Barn. Uh, Check it out. Puncher's Chance. You can Google it, but there'll be more information posted at my uh, Instagram and social media, along with a website. If you're not in one of those eight states, you can order. We'll be in all 50 states and elsewhere outside of the u.s next year that's our goal uh also too i'm looking forward to saturday i'll see you from the octagon john and i off to fight island we're gonna have a great time tj has invicta we're all busy in this times when a lot of people are not and again as always my heart condolences best wishes wishes for everything for people suffering from the fire suffering from covid and those of you out there that are doing well this is a tough time for everybody i encourage everybody as i always say on the show and i'll say it right now Write down your goals, set them, learn about them. When you set on that path, be the best person you can be. And above all, in today's society, I really wish all of you to follow safety and protocol as you should be to be part of the solution, not the problem, and to be a role model to your sphere of influence because we all need to support and respect everybody that's around us today more than ever in our lives to stay unified and avoid this division that's going on in this country. We need to be the United States of America, not the divided United States of America. So let's all be the best we can be. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. I love you, brother. And uh, love you too. TJ, great to see you. I'll see you uh, Friday night in Vegas, BB. Quarantine away. Quarantine away. Let's get it going down. 
All right, John, take care. See you in Vegas. TJ, take care. See you in Vegas. Everybody out there internationally, we love you all for tuning in and listening. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And don't forget to go to brucebuffer.com for your special videos, audios, championship introductions. This virtual world, I am busier than ever, but I get it all done and I will do it for you too. With that being said, have a great week. We'll be back next week from Abu Dhabi. Maybe John will be back on the show again. We'll see. And uh, I'll do a uh, Instagram live from Abu Dhabi too. Maybe with John too. We'll see. With that being noted, have a great week. Buffer out. Cheers. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.